What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. My name is Adam. I am your host. This is the Hobby News Daily Morning Minute. Today is Thursday, February 15th, and on today's episode, we are going to be talking about some of the configurations that have come out about Top Series 1 this year. Welcome to HobbyNewsDaily.com, an online resource for the latest news about sports cards, memorabilia, and other collectibles. We hope to provide information and a little fun with your hobby experience. Every morning, you can listen to the Hobby News Daily Morning Minute for a quick update as you start the day. We would like to welcome StadiumInsurance.com as our newest sponsor for the Morning Minute. Stadium Insurance provides insurance coverage for all of your sports collectibles and memorabilia needs using their cutting-edge app and easy-to-take photos to protect all your cards and collectibles. Check out StadiumInsurance.com for more information. Ryan Cracknell, who I think is... I would say he's probably one of the best hobby reporters in terms of just like putting out a ton of great information. Um, I source him a lot when it comes to just looking for information about products and packs and cards and stuff. Um, works for Beckett, like I said. Uh, Trader Cracks on Twitter. Go check. Go definitely go check out his account because, like I said, one of the best reporters, and I, I do source his stuff a lot when I'm. Um, when I'm looking for information. So he put out a, a, a post the other day. So in 2024 Top Series 1, there's 18 different configurations, which is the types of boxes and packs across hobby and retail. So that could be anything from like just a plain regular hobby box all the way to like a cello pack from some random retail. You know, like I said, it, it really, there are 18 different versions of it. Which means there's, I don't know if there are, I think that there are hobby and retail exclusive parallels. I don't necessarily know if the um, difference in configurations means there's going to be different parallels for each of the different configurations. You know, potentially, I think. Um, there are probably different, there are probably specific parallels for um, retail versus hobby, which... I think maybe what I'm about to say may sound contradictory to what I said about Prism a couple days ago, where Prism, you know, someone put out the information, or someone, uh, I think it was uh, uh, Collectible Guru, I think, on Twitter, they put out the information, or at least they were one of the people that I saw, 63 different parallels for Prism, I think with Top Series 1, that's what this product should be. I think, I don't know, it, it feels like, it feels like a very important product for Tops, on multiple different scenarios it feels like it's a it's a product that feels like it's you know obviously the most should be the most mainstream product i think bowman they have definitely tried to make more mainstream with a ton of different you know like with the with the um with the brady campaign that this this year i think they're trying to make uh because bowman i think is bowman i think is widely renowned within sports cards, but maybe the mainstream doesn't know about Bowman, and it's the mainstream they can kind of keep adding on to the mainstream knowledge about certain products. That's what I think is going to help the growth of the hobby in general. Um, I think if they're looking at if they're looking at what's popular within sports cards or what's what's popular within the industry and figuring out how they can make that more of a mainstream topic or thing that people are more interested in <clears throat> like i said because i think it's but i do i do think it starts with sports cards and that's what i think some companies have faltered with a little bit over the past few years is they if they've tried to make something a thing without it already being a thing within sports cards um you know like the i think nfts for example i think 
you know, I definitely still feel NFTs are in the early stages of where they eventually will be in terms of importance. I think the same thing happened with NFTs that happened with sports cards where, uh, you know, the, there was a ton of people that came in that were really only about the money and they came in, they made their money and they left because that was all it was to them. It was when they made their money, that's all, that's all that they needed to do within sports cards. So it was really, you know, I, I think finding something within sports cards to make more mainstream. And so with these 18 different types of configurations, I think it's good for people who are mainstream trying to find this product because if you go to retail, you're going to find products at a bunch of different price points. And I think that's where that's where this really comes down to. It's I think it's the different price points for cards, um, for different types of products. Uh, product, different types of packs, different types of boxes, different types of, you know, like I said, cello packs, different types of different, <coughs> different ways that you can buy the product, whether it's in retail or if, you know, a hobby shop has a bunch of different configurations. I think it's important um, because this is, you know, flagship is, is that's, it, it goes without saying like the name of it is the flagship product where Prism is I think the pl- is the flagship product for Panini, or at least it was. You know they're losing the licenses. It was probably their flagship product. And I think if I don't know, I mean I guess it really would have been kind of tough for Panini to come out with a new product and try and make it a flagship product. So I think turning Prism into their flagship product, although I don't love what they did to Prism, I think it's what. It was a good business move for them because I think that they, you know, they may, you know, they did, I think they made out like bandits, if I'm going to be completely honest. Like, I really think that they took what was the, you know, and that could be an example of, uh, you know, Panini taking a product that was most popular within sports cards and then making it mainstream, uh, turning it into a product that, like, if you ask, a, if you ask maybe somebody who, is kind of into sports cards. Maybe they're not. They know what Prism is. Like, so, it, you know, and it could actually, like I said, it could be an example of what I was just saying where they made, they, they took a they took a product that was mainstream within sports cards within the industry and they made it more mainstream within popular culture. And I don't think they necessarily did. Unfortunately, I think with Prism, it was the, it was, um, what's the term that I'm looking for? It was like when, you know, it was when something it's not necessarily Prism's fault that it became the what it is, and it's not even really necessarily Panini's fault that it became what it what it became. Uh, like, and to go back to tops a little bit, um, the eighteen different types of configurations I think is smart to do with a flagship product like this, and that's I think what Panini has done specifically with Prism as well. They've really just taken it and they've almost copied what Tops has done uh, when it comes to importance, when it comes to how many different types of cards you can get out of the packs. Um, the I, I I I don't know if it's like cutting off the nose or something. I, I don't exactly know the saying that I'm trying to that I'm trying to insinuate here, but I just think that. This was it was maybe inevitable that this would have happened with Prism because it was such a clear money maker for Panini um, when it came to a product that everyone loved, uh, and they all they had to do was just turn on the printers, and that was going to lead to more sales and more you know pre-sales and more of everything for Prism for Panini. It was inevitable, I think, in my opinion. Like, and it's not something if I were to go back. 
I don't know, five years, I probably wouldn't be saying that. I'd probably be saying, well, Prism will probably be, it's going to be like a mid-tier in terms of like uh, mainstream pro- product, in terms of pricing, in terms of the card, the after the after uh, market cards. Like it's not, um, it's not score. It's not Donruss. It's not, I mean, I would almost put, potentially optic in that same conversation it's not you know score it's not don russ it's not one of these like lower end or hoops for example um it's but it's also not like national treasures but it's so it's there was a very niche in the middle there where prism was and uh where flagship i think still is in my opinion i don't think flagship is in the same conversation as like um as score or hoops or Donruss, I think it is uh, definitely price wise and availability wise in that conversation. But I think in terms of importance, I think that the flagship is much higher. And I think seeing the 18 different types of configurations, um, I think that is good for cards. I think that's good for tops. Uh, does it, you know, uh, are they going to increase, you know, their revenue because of all of these different types of products? Like, I don't necessarily think. I don't think that's it, this product specifically. It almost feels like there should be. It almost feels like it should be like a wash, um, and I think that's the term that I'm trying to use. It almost feels like this type of product they should look at and say, if we can break even, we'll be happy. But this product is more just to get people into cards. This is what the get. This is the type of product that gets people in the door when it comes to sports cards. It's not something they're necessarily trying to make money on now that's not how business works so they're obviously still trying to make money on these cards and they're still trying to make money on the way that they're producing the cards so that's maybe not necessarily a good example but i think if you look at it that's i think what they should do maybe potentially with this product i don't think they do because you know they're obviously on every product they're trying to make money and to say that they're not trying to make money would be mm, naive i think and for for me I maybe was in that boat for a little bit, if I'm going to be completely honest, for for a couple years where I, you know, I do love doing this podcast. And I love coming up with ideas. But at the end of the day, these card companies, they don't really care about ideas unless the idea is going to be something that they can make money on, if I'm going to be completely honest. And that's where I think that there's a disconnect <coughs> between... I mean, there's a little bit of a disconnect between my thought process on what I think is cool within cards and what a company would actually do. But either way, I mean, I think that with Series 1 coming out, I think it's an important product that gets people in the door and gets people interested in sports cards. So they're going to try and make it as many different ways as possible and make it as easy as possible for people to buy this product so that way they can get into cards. Because Prism for a while was sort of what I think they were trying to do with this product, but it was hard to find. And that was another reason why it was so popular, I think. Like, and same with Select. It was a little bit hard to find, if I'm going to be completely honest. Like, and that's what made Select, I think, as popular as it was. Flagship, on the other hand, not, you know, not hard to find at all. And it shouldn't be, because like I said, it's the product that people are, you know, they need, the tops doesn't, they need this product. They need to get people into cards, and this is definitely a way where I see that people are getting into cards um, based on just one product releasing where other products, I feel like it's maybe not the same thing. Remember to follow at Hobby News Daily and sign up for the mailing list at HobbyNewsDaily.com and keep collecting.